Goodbye, January. We knew you well in our final day of the first month of 2024. The month seems to be moving along quickly, but the week doesn't seem to be going that quickly. But be that as it may, it is what it is. It's the middle of the week. Some call it hump day. We're over the hump and through the week on this Wednesday, January 31st. Welcome in to Focus. I'm Paul W. Smith. It is a pleasure, an honor, a privilege to be with you, the best and brightest audience in all of radio. Now, I know you can't always be here from noon to two. I fully understand that. I hope then you will go to thegreatvoice.com and get our podcast. Now, I'm going to have to check with Dave Rieger, who hits the ground running and is back with us, and make sure they keep the various podcasts alive so that you can listen to them. But I'll get to that in a moment. You should be streaming us when you can, too. Get used to that because that is the way you will get radio in the days ahead. I feel it in my bones. Or or it could be arthritis or the changing weather. Uh, WJR.com, Alexa, Google Home, the WJR app, all of these are good things to have. But again, remember to go to thegreatvoice.com for the podcast. They keep track, and uh, I, I need you to be listening, checking in, listening to me whenever it's convenient for you. Dave Rieger is back from California. And we're happy, to, we're happy to have him back. I thank the team, the team, the team that uh, that stepped in, uh, Michael Parsons, uh, Brian Morton, other people that helped out, because everybody looks out for everybody, even though everybody is uh, overworked. I mean, we all see that in all of our jobs. There are There are the same jobs that we've always had, but fewer people in virtually all walks of life. It just seems to be that way. Daniel Mason, uh, steady. Pushing all the controls, just gave us the yay guy. We appreciate that, Danielle. Good job. And Rich Luzinski with our WJR traffic and weather first when he isn't busy uh, doing various performances on Instagram. So (laughs) (laughs) I got a laugh out of Danielle. I'm glad your (laughs) mic is open. Yes. Uh, So there we are. Uh, We've got a lot going on. I can't. This is not what I want to talk about right now, but I have to because I've seen the video thousands of times already and the same question comes to my mind here we have two police officers being attacked by joe biden's illegal immigrants in Times square in the middle of the day i at least in the video i saw didn't see anyone running to the assistance of the police these days that's dangerous i understand but what i saw were our police officers being beaten, and the bottom line is because more police officers are beaten these days because there appear to be no consequences for beating a police officer. Two of them mobbed by a group of illegal immigrants. I have to tell you, if I were one of those cops, many of those people would be dead right now because I would not forget that I have a gun And when someone is kicking my head and pounding my body on the ground as a police officer, I have a right to fight for my life. And he should have, both of them, blasted those bastards off the face of the earth and done the earth a service. What has happened in our country? Joe Biden. Sorry. Yep, it all goes back to him. The whole problem at the border goes back to 
this so-called president of the United States. I hope they get all those extra votes they're counting on from those people. Okay, that's not what I wanted to open with. I wanted to open with you, Dave Rieger. Are you busy? Are you tied up? Are you doing other things? I'm right here. Okay. Tell us about your trip to California and sending all that great stuff about the Lions on social media and what it was like in the stadium. You had an all-access all access pass other than going down and playing on the field, which I, I know you were hoping for. Actually, we did. I actually did get to go on the field at the very end, which was very cool. But yeah, cool. it was it was a uh, it was a it was a great time, except for the uh, obviously the outcome of the game. But um, you know, a great press box, a great facility out there in Santa Clara. Um, it's it's interesting that most of the people who live in San Francisco who were season ticket holders at the old Candlestick Park, not very happy that they decided to move all the way out into tech country out in Santa Clara. To put this stadium, to put the stadium in, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a great experience, and I've never covered an NFC Championship game before. It was very cool. Now, did you run into our Mitch album up in the press box? Did you I, yeah, see? Him? I did see Mitch. Yes, he was there. Did yeah. you go and say hi to him? I or did. Was he, I did yeah. say hi to him really quick. He was very busy. Did he act like he knew you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> he he did say hi to me. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he was just—he was very, he was just very busy. Uh, he is very busy. He's yeah. doing a million things, yeah. and uh, and somewhere in there, there's probably a lion's book. Be that, and I'll look forward to it. Be that <laughs> as it may, uh, was the press box the way press boxes are supposed to be? This quiet, was, no cheering, nobody not leaning. Re- for- not not really. Uh, there was uh, some cheering going on at the end, uh, obviously by the the Forty ers um, media. But uh, I liked the, the what was cool about this press box was. It was the full length of the stadium. It was just a giant with three levels uh, really? for the media. It was just giant. And wow. what I really liked especially is they had a a cubby hole behind where you were sitting for your bag. Like it's the first time I've ever seen that. Usually you oh, have to find nice. a place to put your bag, and they had a, 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 a cubby hole uh, for everybody. It was, it's, it's, and uh, some of the best food I've ever seen ever, <laughs> to be honest with you, at any event. Now, it just might have been, it just might have been because it was the NFC Championship game, but it was, they went all out. Dave Rieger, what was it like being in the press box? I'm telling you, it, it was, was the good. best food it was pretty good. I ever had. I have to say. Yeah, as we far, were very as similar as, in as our, uh, as far as covering an event. No, it was, they, uh, the way they have it set up is, it, it's really good. Really good setup out there. Did you feel it uh, right away in the second half? Did you feel it slipping away and the complete momentum change? You know, it, it started, uh, obviously, you know, San Francisco got the ball. They went down and kicked the field goal. And then Jameer Gibbs fumbled. And then it was like, uh-oh, this is kind of starting to change the momentum. And they just could not, they just couldn't get back on track. Sometimes momentum, you know, it will hit a team and it'll overtake the game. And that's, and that's exactly what happened. They started to make mistakes that they didn't normally make right. uh, throughout, throughout the season. Drop passes. Um, it did not help, in my opinion, with the whole timeout versus try to kick the field goal. You know, you can, you can look at it, you know, either way. As far as the percentages and the analytics said to, on, the, on the two fourth down plays. But so I know you was, because I said just, this. It was I just, spoke on you know, your behalf. I said you probably were against that before they yeah, blew I would, the play. I, if, if, yeah, I would have taken – I would have tried to, to kick the field goal and taken the points, and uh, especially on the road, and I would have tried to go up three scores 
uh, early, but it just it just didn't work out. And if if the fourth down if they had converted on the fourth downs, it would have been probably a different story. So, all right, yeah. now uh, a question about something. I, I've read a lot of things. I haven't read a lot of things because it's painful, but I have read a number of things today. I'm reading Mike Freeman, columnist in USA Today who I heard much of what Dan Campbell said, telling uh, the the Lions that uh, this may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I know how hard it is. This part I heard before. However, I know how hard it is to get here. I'm well aware. And it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. But I don't remember him saying, this may have been our only shot. To the team, I—that's that, shocking to yeah, me that a Dan Campbell would say that. I don't know. I don't. I do not know about that. I do know. I did hear him say that it'll be twice as hard. They're going to. I have, heard all that part. Yeah, they're going to have a first place schedule. The NFC North, the the, 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 the Packers are going to be better. The, the Bears are going to be better. The Vikings are going to get Kirk Cousins back. So, and it's going to. And now, no longer are they under the radar. Now the Lions are the hunted. So everybody's going to bring their A game against them next year. If he was ever going to say this may be our only shot, I would have thought it was at the half before going out there. But it didn't appear that they yeah. came out there thinking it was their only shot. No, I mean I think that they, I think that one, I think Ben Johnson believes that they got another shot. That's why he's staying around. And that's why he's sticking. Well, this writer, this Mike Freeman, in his headline, he doesn't write the headline, but it says Dan Campbell's only shot is wrong. See Andy Reid. Meaning yeah. you get opportunity after opportunity if you so. keep playing the way they've played and just get better. Well, whatever. That's what we're hoping. We're glad you're back safe and sound. Um, I'm sure you missed the snow, uh, and now you're here back with us. Right. So <laughs> we, Didn't miss the snow at all. No, I can, I can guarantee that. Here we are as uh, we'll get to uh, Jonathan Savage, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, more uh, playing with the Chinese. They're playing with us I mean, because they can with this president. They're going to really help stem the flow of fentanyl after they continue making money. I have an interview that could save your life. I don't say that very often because I don't very often. But today I have an interview that can save your life and loved ones, family and friends' lives It will be at 12.48 or so when I welcome my friend, Dr. Sumit Singla, Director of Endoscopic Services, as well as a board-certified gastroenterologist at Henry Ford Health. You are going to want to hear what he has to say with cancer and survival rates and testing and all of that. Very important new information. We have it for you here with Paul W. Smith in focus at WJR. Well, here we go. Um, while the big uh, tech CEOs get grilled before the Senate Judiciary Committee, always interesting, uh, Ted Cruz attacking Mark Zuckerberg. They're talking child porn. They're talking uh, self-harm concerns. They're just talking about a lot of stuff like they always do. People grandstand. People do what they do. And in many cases in these situations, the people asking the questions have questions that were put together by their younger staff who know much more about social media than they do. Be that as it may, if something good comes from it, that's great. Far be it from me to criticize it. Same thing goes for what Jonathan Savage is talking about today. Our Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor, uh, as the U.S. and China launch talks on fentanyl trafficking in a sign of cooperation amid differences. Jonathan, 
No one better than you to bring us up to date on this scourge plague in America that China's responsible for. Yeah, differences are putting it mildly as well, isn't it? I mean, it's not often, Paul, that the U.S. and China have found cause to work together in recent years. So this is notable. An American delegation is in Beijing kicking off a new counter-narcotics working group. Um, This comes after talks between President Biden and President Xi in California late last year. It's the first time the two powers have cooperated so publicly for about five years since relations turned sour. And yeah... As you're saying, China is the primary source of the precursor chemicals that make up fentanyl. They used to be the primary source of fentanyl itself. But about five years ago, China, under pressure from the U.S., took measures to stop fentanyl flowing in. But now there's this new problem. Well, it is a new problem. And uh, I'm, I'm look, again, I'm not going to be critical if something good can come of this, but I I'm sorry, I just don't trust the Chinese are going to do anything that uh, restricts the flow of money that's coming in from this massive problem. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of skepticism. Um, I think that no one's going to be surprised to to hear skepticism um, come out about this. I mean, one of the things that they're trying to do is increase information sharing between the U.S. and China. And as we know, there is a, a lot of questions about the information China releases, especially when it doesn't necessarily paint China in the best possible light. Um, as well as that, they say they want to increase law enforcement coordination. They want to combat the distribution and export and, yeah, get to the heart of that illicit black market financing that seems to be behind so much. What Jen Daskal, she's heading the delegation, says is that obviously we need to see the results and we need to see action. Uh, she is clearly aware that this is just a start. The uh, synthetic opioids are, are the biggest killers in the deadliest drug crisis in the United States of America that we've ever seen. More than 100,000 deaths, and that's, I think, a small number of what the reality is. Uh, More than 100,000 deaths linked to drug overdoses uh, in 2022. This from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And more than two-thirds involve fentanyl or similar synthetic drugs. Kind of interesting and unusual because saving face is is very important to the Chinese. Yet China had previously rebuffed U.S. appeals to help uh, because our, our relations were not good, but it made them look worse to the world by not responding and not being involved. And in fact, remember, they said to us, hey, why don't you guys look inward to solve your domestic problems and not blame them on us, China? Here's something I think is interesting, Paul, Um, what the U.S. had to do in order to get China to cooperate. Um, A while ago, the United States put sanctions on something called the Institute of Forensic Science. That is a uh, publicly owned body in China that was accused of being complicit in human rights violations against Uyghurs in uh, part of China. Uh, What the U.S. did was quietly agree to lift the sanctions to get cooperation on fentanyl. That is according to a statement from the Chinese foreign minister, Wang Yi. He said that that, um, removing that obstacle made a big difference. And and of course, you know, they had their meetings. Who knows what really happened? But uh, President Xi and President Biden 
and then, as you just mentioned, we're spending time with Jonathan Savage, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. China uh, refused to discuss cooperation unless the U.S. lifted those sanctions you're talking about. And then, and then the U.S. quietly agreed to lift the sanctions to get that cooperation on fentanyl. I've never, um, I've never liked us having to give a break to somebody, or in this case, a country, to make them do the right thing. It shouldn't even be a discussion, but it indicates the real uh, Chinese mentality behind this. I don't mean of the Chinese people. I mean of the Chinese leadership. So, as you mentioned, the Chinese foreign minister uh, gets in there. Uh, they needed the removal of the obstacle of unilateral sanctions, blah, 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 blah. And uh, it seems to me, seems to me that we are, as a country, I'll say it this way, bending over backwards, although sometimes I think it's not bending over backwards, but bending over, that to get the Chinese to do what is just morally the right thing. But I don't think they have the same moral compass, obviously. This is, you know, there's a real cultural difference here. There's a real political difference here. Um, and these are two very different countries with very different approaches to their society. China is a, is a country which is it's very top down. It's uh, uh, life is, is very much dictated by um, President Xi Jinping and the, the Chinese Communist Party. And you have to be close to the Chinese Communist Party to get anywhere, really, uh, in Chinese society. Um, and, yeah, when it comes to international relations, that plays a part. You have to know what the other side wants and you have to be prepared to give what you think you can give. Um, so th- I think that what we're seeing is um, the Biden administration making a choice, you know, human rights or fentanyl. Um, and that's why they're leaving themselves open to criticism from on multiple fronts right now, um, from those who say that they're not tough enough on China, um, those who say they're giving China what they want, and then also probably from the left as well, saying, hey, you should be standing up for human rights. I don't get that part. Explain that further to me. I'm, I'm having trouble with standing up for human rights and fentanyl in China. Explain that to well, me. Well, it, it's, all, it's all down to the U.S. lifting the sanctions, because these sanctions were on a Chinese public body that was accused of human rights violations against um, predominantly Muslim ethnic groups in China's Xinjiang region. Now, there's no doubt... Um, according to all sorts of reports, that the Uyghurs and other groups have been treated uh, horrifically in China, um, almost to the point of ethnic cleansing. Uh, And many people were pleased that the U.S. put sanctions on this body for being complicit in that. Um, But the Chinese government, of course, wanted those sanctions lifted, and they said, hey, look, we'll talk about fentanyl if you lift these sanctions. Wow. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's their gun to our head, basically. All right. Anything else? What else are you working on, Jonathan? You're always on top of so many different stories. They have you going all over the place. Any, what, are you, what else are you working on? Yeah, I'm just working on something right now um, that involved uh, a Russian military airplane shot down last week in Ukraine that we've been talking about. You know, Moscow said that most people on there were Ukrainian prisoners of war and that it was shot down by Ukraine. Um, President Vladimir Putin this afternoon claims that it's been definitively established that it was a U.S.-supplied Patriot missile system that was used to shoot the airplane out of the sky. Um, Ukraine and Russia both are calling for an independent investigation, but he's uh, bringing the U.S. into this now. Oh, boy. Yeah, I remember hearing that and then finding out, uh, shockingly, the plane was filled with 
uh, Ukrainian uh, prisoners of war, basically. And uh, that's the first I've heard that they're now Russia's dragging. Well, I'm not surprised by Putin, but that they're dragging the United States in by saying it was a Patriot missile that we had provided Ukraine. Well, it just it just continues, doesn't it? Always a great job, Jonathan Savage. Thanks for joining us. Great to talk to you. Jonathan Savage, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. Uh, As we continue on this Wednesday afternoon, Luis Garcia from the Internal Revenue Service. He's a guy who does say, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, and he means it. Stay with us. So this was supposed to have started an hour and a half ago. Um, uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray Uh, was supposed to be warning lawmakers on Capitol Hill today that Chinese hackers are preparing to, quote, wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities, end of quote. That's from our dear friends, the Chinese. And if you think for a second that Xi doesn't know a thing about it, you're wrong. Anyway... Uh, Christopher Ray and other government officials were supposed to testify in front of the House Select Committee starting at 11 this morning. I, I don't know if that went off the way it was supposed to or if it's still going on. I don't really know. The uh, hearing uh, called the Chinese Community Party. How's that grab you? Their cyber threat to the American homeland and national security. They go on to say there's been far too little public focus on the fact that The People's Republic of China hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses poses to every American requires our attention now is what is in the speech that Ray was supposed to be giving. He went on to say, China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens. That's us, you know. And communities, that's ours, you know. If or when China decides the time has come to strike. Ray was also expected to say that today, and literally every day, Chinese hackers are actively attacking our economic security engaging in wholesale theft of our innovation, our personal and corporate data, what we used to call our intellectual property that China has freely stolen for years. And Ray was supposed to go on to say, and they don't just hit our security and economy, they target our freedoms, reaching inside our borders across America to silence, coerce, and threaten our citizens and residents This is what they say Ray was supposed to be saying starting at 11 this morning. I haven't had any uh, any reports on that, so I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, Have you seen anything on that, Dave Rieger, on your end? I have not. Not yet. No, no. no. And we still don't have Luis Garcia. No, I'm trying to connect with him. You have all the numbers you need? Yes, I do. I'm trying to connect. All right, because what uh, what what. Luis Garcia, who used to be with us on in the mornings all the time from the Internal Revenue Service, he's talking about this this new tax season in a, a situation that I wasn't terribly aware of it being a big problem, but he says for some, the new tax season might serve 
as a stressful reminder of past taxes that have yet to be filed and paid. Taxpayers owed over $120 billion in back taxes, penalties, and interest in 2022, according to the IRS. And there are there soon may be more concrete reminders coming. The IRS resumed sending automated collection notices for unpaid taxes starting this new year after pausing them, quote, due to the unprecedented effects of COVID-19 and the pandemic in February of 2022. So if you're one of the many taxpayers who owe tax debt this season, addressing the issue sooner rather than later can save you from penalties, interest, and other more serious consequences, and you can get started even if you can't afford to pay in full. So he's going to talk to us about that. If you get a notice to read it, set up a payment plan, uh, contact a pro, and, and frankly, if you're dealing with back taxes, unfortunately, you can't forget about the current tax returns. I'm not sure why people who get it would not open up a letter that came from the government, from the IRS. I, you'd be shocked. I, 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 what, but what would be the, the reason that you, if you get that letter in the mail, that you would not open it immediately? I don't know. And find, it's not out, like, and find out what's going on. Listen, I don't blame people anymore for not opening email because there's so much fraud out there. But when you get a letter sent to you through uh, the postal service and you check it out and make sure it's very real, um, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't open that and pay attention. But here's this. There's there's confusion out there, Mr. Rieger, and that is I heard somebody on this radio station say uh, it started Monday. They started taking uh, your taxes for 2023, and, you know, 21 days later you get your money back. Most people get money back, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing. Somebody said um, for 2023, no, 20, yeah, 2023, for 2023, if you can't get it in by the April deadline, you can very easily get an extension. Well, you got to say whenever you say that, you've got to say the rest of the story, which is yes, you can get an extension. I live in Extensionville because I'm so disorganized. But the extension is merely an extension for filing your taxes. This is an important note. It is not an extension for paying what oh, you owe. 100%. And some people forget that last part when they're telling the story, and you cannot because, yes, you can get an extension in your filing, but you're not getting an extension for what you owe. If you owe money to the IRS, you have to do everything you can to get it to them by the filing date deadline or you're going to have penalties and interest right. added on. Right. You know, and also um, the uh, I always find the, uh, you know, confusing sometimes uh, the quarterly taxes and how much you have to pay for that, too. Yeah, so. that's always been a, con- a so that, confusing. So that's thing. always a part of it. But I think that, uh, but, I, but I don't understand, again, phone calls, uh, emails, you know, ways that they can try to defraud you i get but if you get enough if you get a, they're, they're only going to send you a letter in the mail they're not going to the irs isn't going to send you an email so no. you know open the letter and um you know call the number and check if uh if you feel that it is uh, something that is uh fraudulent but why would you not 
like that would that would be a priority at least for me well it should be and and if you still don't want to uh, call the number on the letter because you're afraid of fraud then call the irs on your own or right. call a tax expert there are billions and billions of tax right. experts until we figure out that we should do a flat tax on a postcard yeah then there won't be billions and billions of people making money I don't know what, uh, what happened to uh, to Luis, but I'm going to maybe try to get him for tomorrow if uh, if something happened, and that's why he didn't uh, he wasn't able to connect with us today. So. Yeah, he's a very reliable guy, yeah, Luis. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm not Garcia, sure what happened, so. but yeah, again, I I just think it's uh, it's important, especially as you know we're getting into February now, so there's not much time left before uh, before April fifteenth. So nope, I see a, a couple of stories I wanted to mention anyway. Now I have the uh, chance. Uh, and that is, first of all, uh, we just talked. Well, first of all, the front page, GM upbeat about 2024. You know that if you were listening, because uh, Mark Royce, president of GM, joined us, spent a lot of time with us, and went over all that. By the way, I saw him last night uh, in one of our podcasts, but I couldn't find it when I looked for it again today. Is it still there? I'd Do you know? To, I'd have to look and see. They don't just automatically take them away the next day, do they? No. All right, I'll have to keep looking because I wanted to, I wanted to send that story, uh, that interview to Mark. It was great, and you know, in the old days, um, every time we talked about the auto industry, everybody in the auto industry at the higher levels, it's there. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you'll have to tell me yeah. off air when we do it why what I'm doing wrong. So, I'm, uh, in the old days, there were people at car companies that made sure that all the executives got copies of what we or probably anybody else talked about, about the car industry. I bet you that job is gone. I'm just saying that with all the cuts with everybody, I bet there's nobody that does that. I I may be wrong. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, what I wanted to mention was in the conversation yesterday, too, we talked about Denker and the excitement for Penske Racing, Penske Porsche Racing, and the first time in 55 years they won the 24-hours Rolex uh, 24-hour Daytona race. And they're bringing those cars back to Detroit for the uh, the uh, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear. So we're excited. But one of the things we talked about was the Scott Fountain and other things that was that were fixed by Penske uh, on Belle Isle. And now I see in the paper today, Sarah Rahal, the Detroit News, is talking about the Detroit Council okays $5.6 million dollars to restore the Hart Plaza fountain. And trust me when I tell you, they are they were spurred on by the fact that Penske Corporation, uh, Bud Denker, Roger Penske, Michael Montry, the whole team spent millions getting the Scott Fountain working. Now they want to get the Hart Plaza fountain. And there's five over $5.5 million uh, that they're looking to invest to get the broken Dodge fountain at Hart Plaza restored and working. So there's about uh, 558 million dollars in federal funding so some of our money coming back and fixing that fountain we'd like to be a city of working fountains and it looks like we're on our way kicked off by uh, the penske corporation and belle isle which is by far a far brighter shinier jewel than it was before the races started there and all the money being uh, invested okay we've got lots going on here it is focus with paul w smith at WJR. This is, I said this at the beginning of the show, I mean it. This is one of the most important interviews I'll ever do 
we do this from time to time, so I've had plenty of life-saving interviews, and I'm proud of that. Uh, but this is another one, and it's based on information that came out recently, and I immediately contacted this guy because this is the guy I wanted to talk to. He's very busy. Uh, it's not easy to get him. We have him, and I appreciate him. And without further ado, uh, my doctor, Dr. Sumit Singla, who is the Director of Endoscopic Services as well as a board-certified gastroenterologist at Henry Ford Health. Doctor, good afternoon. Thank you for coming on. As usual, Paul W., you are too kind, and it's my honor to, to always hang out and talk to Listen, you. Listen, I've watched you advance and become the head of the department, and uh, this guy is so, he follows the rules so closely. His father's a doctor and was a listener, uh, and, and he didn't even tell his dad that I was his patient. I'm telling the world that I am your patient. I've had services from you and been absolutely thrilled with them, but something has come to light that can save lives today, and we're going to do it, and that there are patterns in the incidence of cancers in younger people, younger and younger, early-onset cancers that we need to talk about now and do something about. Tell us about this latest study. Yeah, well, first of all, as you said, Paul W., my dad, whatever he's doing, I know he's listening right now. So thank you for always being so supportive of me and us. This study was fascinating. As you said, um, it was recently in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, so one of the top three journals in the world, big paper. And what they did is they looked at the incidence of early onset cancer. By that, we mean patients younger than 50, and we looked at two time points. The first was in 2010, so about 14 years ago. And then a second time point was 2019. And they looked at how many types of uh, cancers or how many patients with certain types of cancer were diagnosed, again, younger than age 50, in 2010 and 2019. And, and what they found, and, and this is why I'm so grateful that you're, you're you know, actively protecting your listeners and getting this message out, they found that certain types of cancer had increased from 2010 to 2019 in younger people. And predominant amongst them, the highest growing uh, organ system was the GI tract. This is uh, stunning news. And the fact that we have, for most of our lifetime, thought of cancer uh, has traditionally been considered a disease of quote-unquote, older individuals, or at least defined as adults 50 years yeah. and older, now we're looking at 40, maybe even younger than that. And that changes everything, doctor. And, and when you say these specific cancers that you work on, uh, I've always heard no one should ever die of a, like a colorectal cancer or anything having to do uh, with this kind of cancer because there's so much area to work with that you can remove and bring the person back to full health if it's caught early, which means we have to change the belief in colonoscopies and other tests to be well below the age of 50. You're absolutely right, Paul W. And you and I have talked about this before, but I'm just going to reset that point really quickly. The American Cancer Society and the CDC have approved screening for all average risk people starting at age 45, no longer at age 50. But despite that, we still know that four out of 10 Americans between 45 and 49 have not been screened. So there's a tremendous opportunity to protect 
more of us by getting screened between those ages. And that doesn't account for people who have a strong family history of colon cancer. That's a different group of patients who need to be screened even earlier. And then the final group I just want to highlight are those who have GI symptoms. If you have weight loss or bleeding or any other worrisome signs or symptoms, you got to go get checked out. You can't put this off and say, oh, no, as we all do, right? We always say, oh, no, I got to do this. I, I'm going to go to the gym today, and I'm going to focus on something else. No, no. If you have symptoms, you got to get evaluated by your primary care doctor or a GI specialist. And, and we cannot stress that enough because this is one of those areas that you cannot put off. It truly, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being overly dramatic. It truly can be a life or death decision. You do not put it off. You get to your doctor as quickly as you can to get this checked out. My friends, I have so many people now that I'm hearing about having various cancers, younger and younger and younger. And it's got to, it's got to stop. And the only way it's going to stop is for us to make some environmental changes, in my opinion, yep. Doc, uh, some dietary changes. And frankly, I don't know that you'll agree with me on this. We have to be careful of even what prescription drugs, because if you want to look at what's changed in the last 20 years, it's the number of prescription drugs and diseases that the pharmaceutical industry has come up with. And they love to put initials on them. Do you have IDM? Do you have JJK? Have you noticed? I mean, it's like it's like ridiculous. So I, I think totally that's, agree. I think that's going to play a hand in why we're seeing so much more cancer. But the the key here is, whatever the cause, you have to get to it early. If you don't get to it early, you're in trouble. And Doctor Singla, I don't know what what medicine did your father practice or does he still practice he he's still a practicing gastroenterologist oh he is um, okay. at the at the age of 76 he's finally cut down and works four days a week God rather than him. seven days a week so you know he's he's doing well from that regard that's why his son is um, so good at say, what he does <laughs> I, I owe it all to him but i, I was going to say back to what you said about environmental exposures i think that's huge obesity is big they say sleep patterns there's a lot that's within our control that could potentially help. And then I did want to make the point that even aside from symptoms, see your primary care doctor, particularly at Henry Ford, we have a number of cancer prevention and in early detection studies that have been ongoing. As you know, Paul W., you're a huge advocate of, of what we do at Ford, and they have blood tests that are available that, could, that people may qualify for based on their family history that can detect molecular markers suggestive of early pancreatic cancer, early bile duct cancer, and send signals that then lead to targeted testing. So really, I just want to encourage people, go see your primary care doctor and get established. That's the, really the, the, as you said, keep people safe. That's that is important. Do. I'm so glad you said it, and you've said it again and again, that getting those blood tests, and frankly, I don't know how to say this, that there are blood tests that, are available that we don't always know about and that frankly our primary care doctor may not even suggest recommend you have to watch I mean I have always had to watch to make sure that my PSA is checked 
because PSA has become one of these things where they go, well, it's not always accurate. And I go, it's the only thing we have. So please do it. You understand please what I'm saying, it. doctor? Oh, I completely agree. It takes a, an intelligent, informed, vigilant patient and family to really navigate healthcare. It's super complex, and I, that's why I'm, I'm grateful to you for putting this word out to so many people in our community. You gotta be, you gotta take control of your own health. I and and I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it with my heart and soul. Yes, I have a special feeling for Henry Ford Health, and I always will. Now Bob Riney, the leader, and I follow him to the end of the earth. Uh, but every doctor uh, that that I've had there, uh, that I have been treated by. Um, I, I thank them all. I probably should name some of them, but I can't right now. But um, uh, I'm just telling you, folks, you have an opportunity to get yourself healthy and take care of yourself. It's up to you. It's not like the old days. My, my Dr. Lidl and Monroe used to call me and say, where the hell have you been? Why aren't you in here? Doctors, <laughs> doctors can't do that anymore. And, yeah, I miss that, too. But uh, I, I'm just saying... Uh, it's something you have to really look into and take care of yourself. we got to run. Thank you, Dr. Summit, Sumit Singla at Henry Ford. Thank you, sir. We continue. You know, I was talking to Dr. Singla, and, I, and I'm serious about that. You know, that, uh, that rule, that law, I can't ever, what What's it called, Rieger, when doctors, uh, you know, can't talk about your medical condition or whatever? Anyway. Um, I, he's very uh, good about that, and it probably blows his mind that I come out publicly and talk about these things. But I only do it because I really honestly believe I can help save your life or family members' lives or friends' lives. And I'm not kidding you. I am surrounded by people younger and younger finding out they have cancer. And, and, and it's not just my imagination. Now the studies are out saying that these things are happening. So the one thing I didn't get to ask uh, Dr. Singla, uh, it, it, they say to go and get your colonoscopy starting earlier, 40, 45, whatever, if it's in the family even earlier. And then if they don't see anything, I guess, bad, they tell you to come back in 10 years. I think I think five years is is better, but I'm not a doctor, and I don't know if that's changed. If it, in fact, has changed, I'll let you know. But but I, I am. My mother was great at going to the doctor. She was too good at it. She was a hypochondriac, which I am. The difference between my mother and I is that my mother, as a hypochondriac, would call or go to the doctor all the time. Me, as a hypochondriac, I suffer in silence and never go to the doctor. Don't do as I do, not do as I do do as I say. Yet we all have to go to the doctors and we all have to get our tests and take care of ourselves. And you can ask my primary doctor, Dr. Joshua Collins at Henry Ford, or, or my good friend and, and guest on the show a million times over the years, Dr. William O'Neill, the heart specialist, world famous. Uh, or or this doctor that you've heard on my show a few times now, Dr. Sumit Singla uh, at Henry Ford Health. These are my doctors, and I put my life in their hands. I'm just not very good at following up on the, all of the meetings and all the things I'm supposed to do. Shame on me. So do as I say, not as I do, to save your own life. Let me ask uh, Rieger, I don't, uh, how often do you get to the doctor, Rieger? Do you take care of yourself? Are you doing yes. that? Yes, yes. 
I Good go, for you. I go on a regular basis. Yeah. Danielle, so young, probably think you're invincible, don't have to go to the doctor. What do you say? Um, no. You don't go to the doctor. I don't even know who my primary is. <sighs> well, I, I don't. Look, you're not alone. I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't know who their primary is. And so many uh, insurance companies make it difficult for you. I just heard from a friend who then found out that, in fact, he has a cancer. But they had to wait weeks for an approval for, I don't know if it was an MRI or something else. It's why I'm such an advocate for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, because they're such a good insurance company. And there are so many bad ones out there that get in the way of us getting the medicine and procedures that we need. They should never make the decision uh, whether we should or shouldn't do something. That should be left up to doctors. I'm not going to get off on that tangent right now. But you need to find out who your primary doctor is. And frankly, if you haven't been in a while, I don't, you know, I know you're young, Danielle, but you should. You should get to the doctor for just a baseline physical I go to you the know? gynecologist. Well, that's that's what, a regular thing. Is that is that a once a year thing? I don't know what the schedule is for that. Oh yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> I've been very very few uh, uh, doctors' visits are quote unquote a good time. You remember? Well, you don't. Maybe you don't remember when we used to do the morning show and Steve Courtney would come on, and and he would be going in for his colonoscopy, and I'd say, don't forget. The uh, chocolates and flowers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> that was our old joke. I mean, it's, it's, you're not necessarily looking for a good time, but you are looking for a painless, important time, and that's what you get these days when you go to the doctor. It's not a painful experience. It's like going, it's like going to the dentist. How many, for years, uh, dentists had to take the, the hit that, uh, that you know, people would say, well, what do you do? I'm a dentist. And then people go, Arr! well, that's it, dentistry is no longer that painful procedure. Back, back in the day with my great dentist and, uh, as it turns out, fraternity brother, uh, Jim Everett, who I've watched uh, work through his work and do such good work for so many people to even cut back and kind of in semi-retirement, maybe he calls it retirement now, because his daughter moved here and moved in. And she's a great dentist, Dr. Allison Elston. Dr. Allison Elston. I went seamlessly from dad, Jim Everett, to daughter, Dr. Allison Elston. The dentist is another doctor that we don't see enough. And we've learned through the years that your oral health is absolutely tied in to your heart health and other issues and other problems. So it's really important to keep that dental appointment and and to do it, whether it's every six months or every year, whatever it is, or whatever your dentist and you decide on, to do that, to take care of yourself. When was the last time, Danielle, you went to a dentist? Oh, I go to the dentist every year. Now that one I do, along with the eye doctor. That's another good one. Another one, uh, as we get older especially, uh, we have to stay on top of. And I'll admit, I just got a note from Henry Ford Health saying I need to set up an eye eye doctor's appointment so gotta do it I, I i gotta do it the only issue i have with uh with with doctors yeah. is that they now have so 
they have to see so many patients in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. And they're also putting in all the data into the computer, which you, they used to record after the fact, and then somebody would type it up. And it's, and it, it's making their job harder, which makes our wait time at the doctor's office longer. So you may be sitting out in the lobby for longer than usual, and you may be sitting in the room for longer than usual. And they and that is the real problem I have, which is you'll, you'll, you could sit there for hours. The doctor will come in for five minutes, and then, 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 then the appointment's over. I think they just need to take, figure out a better way to get, to get you in and get you on your way. Do you, when you go into the doctor, yeah. Um, maybe you don't write it down, but do you do you have a list? Do you have a mental list, if not a written list, of questions? Because that facilitates the meeting. I, I do. Here's what I do, and, it's, and a lot of people don't like this about what I do, and you probably won't be surprised at this, but when I get put into the room and they come and they take your blood pressure and then they say the doctor will be in in a minute, they shut the door. Yeah. I open the door and I stand there in the doorway and I stare at them until the doctor comes. <laughs> Because I do not want them forgetting about me. No. My time is too important. <laughs> and then he follows the poor technician up and down the hall honking his horn. I will stand in that doorway because they are not going to forget about me, and I'm not going to sit there for an hour waiting. Dave, that's ludicrous. Yes. That, I, that's that is, not that, normal. And, and, that, uh, that's what I, and I also have to have, like, the first appointment of the day because the doctor gets behind from the oh day before. Oh, gosh. You are a problem. You you know what I might suggest, and I'm not sure which doctor is best to do this, but I think you need a charisma implant. Okay. I've got plenty of charisma. I just, I just, my time is worth, my time is worth as much as their time is worth. Okay. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Well, I think your time is valuable. All yes. of our time is valuable. Exactly. Yes. I'm not being mean or I'm just standing there. I'm just letting remember that you've got a patient to see. Let's not get too far behind. I'm in full support of the charisma implant. Yeah, I think that that would be Mm -hmm. useful. (laughs) Paul loves when he finds out all these little nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fact that you... Maybe you shouldn't go to Henry Ford Health, just uh, because uh, I like to recommend people go there. (laughs) I don't want to get notes from doctors saying, Hey, uh, I just saw Dave Rieger, your producer. Thanks a lot! I don't know. I don't. You think that's a bit much? No, standing but, no, in the because door. Because I, you, I feel like they forget about you. I feel like they just forget about you. I know they put the little. They, they have a light that lights up, or they have like a little tab that a little comes thing out. comes yeah, out. Exactly. A little flag comes right, out. Exactly. Says you're in there. I think they forget. Oh, I think you're unforgettable when you walk in there, uh, David. Just uh, just based on what you've talked about, I'll get you the information about the uh, the charisma implant. <laughs> hey, um. The, uh, what have you have you heard the the prices for the the Super Bowl the tickets? Yes, biggest ever. Not now, su- not, su- not the, surprised because these it's in on Vegas. The, on the secondary market, or are these some of these prices oh, actually sure, printed I'm, on I'm the sure ticket? secondary market? Of course, yeah. Because you can't. Nobody can print a ten thousand yeah, dollar ticket. Yeah, listen, this is this is in Vegas. This is at Allegiant Stadium. You know, it, this is going to be the biggest uh, thing that's going to be gone. The most expensive ticket so far being sold on the secondary market is priced at. Give us a guess, Danielle. On the secondary market, yeah, uh, fourteen thousand five hundred. David, that oh, was probably twenty thousand dollars. Forty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. Hey, at least we were under for the Price is Right. We didn't go over. <laughs> Great, Dave. Awesome. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, <laughs> Danielle's about to. Okay, we, yeah, we need to end. This, we need to end the segment. That is, I mean, listen. If 
I mean, I can't imagine paying $47,000. And by the way, I'd wear a Depends because I... I wouldn't leave to go to the bathroom because it costed that much to sit in that seat. All right, we got to go. As we continue in focus with Paul W. WJR. Man, are we lucky. We're lucky. Uh, I'm lucky to work for WJR for about 35 years uh, because of the kinds of guests that we can get. I mentioned uh, Dr. Sumit Singla. Uh, and then uh, Dr. William O'Neill, and in, in the days ahead, Dr. Joshua Collins, my uh, primary care quarterback, and, and, and all of that, and our relationship with Henry Ford Health. Yes, I used to do Minds of Medicine. I wish they still did that. I got I to gotta bug uh, Bob Riney about that, the CEO, because I do think that show saved lives, too. But, but we get experts on WJR because we have listeners. We have you, the best and brightest audience in all of radio. And that includes experts like our next guest, Patrick Anderson, who is the principal and CEO of the Anderson Economic Group. And I really pay attention to what Patrick Anderson has to say about everything we've ever talked with him about. Patrick, good afternoon. Welcome back to Focus with Paul W. Smith. Oh, thank you, Paul W. And thank you for the nice compliment there. Well, I mean it. And uh, I, I didn't have to say it. I wanted to say it. And now we have... The Federal Reserve having to make some decisions about either staying the course or cutting interest rates. Tell me where we are with that. We haven't thought about it lately. No, we haven't. And and going back to uh, you know to the, the many years you've been on WJR and, and informing a great audience, I might say, because uh, the WJR audience is a great audience. Because I hear from them sometimes when I'm out talking to people. Uh, for a lot of times, we talked about inflation was bad. They ignored it. They went through with the whole Washington speak about it being transitory that the Biden administration had started. And then finally, finally, they got uh, religion, so to speak, and started to take action. And now we're starting to benefit from that and also from the fact that the orgy of federal government spending uh, during the 2020-2022 time period is now falling off. And inflation is going down. So if you look now at, at the inflation measures, we're there in the two to four percent range. When we were talking, they were in the six to eight percent range. So uh, inflation is definitely going down. It's uh, pretty close to the target rate of two percent. And uh, that means that the Fed's in a position where they don't have to raise rates. I think they'll probably keep them where they are. Uh, and try to, you know, hope if inflation stays well that they'll start to lower them later on in the year. How imp- First of all, I love, Patrick Anderson, that you, call, you called it an orgy of federal government spending. I mean, that's, that sums it up brilliantly. Uh, I was looking for the right word, and unfortunately I came up with a four-letter one. I couldn't improve oh. on that one. Maybe Bacchanal <laughs> of spending money. <laughs> well, it has been an orgy of federal spending. It is why inflation shot up. And now, while the local governments are going, where's our where's our check from the federal government? Because we get intoxicated on free money, which isn't really free. It's our tax dollars at work. And if we're lucky enough to get more of it coming back home, but be that as it may, as that ends, now we have all these mini crises in in local government saying, oh, geez, we started this with, with federal. Where are we? How are we going to f- pay for this? How are we going to? 
But in the meantime, as you say, inflation is down, and that's what we need to have happen. And we can't pretend that we don't understand how inflation went up because of the orgy of federal government spending, and we can't pretend uh, as to why inflation is going down because the orgy has ended. Yeah, the the, the orgy is ending. I, I won't say the party stopped, but uh, the you know the just completely outrageous, unsustainable spending. Uh, you know, no questions asked. Uh, enormous expenditures have finally stopped. Now we still we're still paying the piper. For example, the Inflation Reduction Act, which it is possibly the most misnamed federal law in history. <laughs> uh, it, that had an original, they originally planned to have $300 billion in subsidies for electric vehicles that now may exceed a trillion. So oh uh, there's, yeah, it's an unbelievable amount of money that's still being spent under laws that were passed in that, that 2022 time period. Uh, but at least we're not passing another one. So it's uh, the the fact that the federal government isn't spending so outrageously more than they had previously is helping us bring inflation down. Monetary policy discipline is. And now we're looking at hopefully inflation that gets close to 2%, which will mean critical for our industries here in Michigan, mortgage rates, auto loan rates might start to taper down. And, and those are things that are really important for jobs right here in Michigan. This is important information from Patrick Anderson, principal and CEO of the famous Anderson Economic Group. This is the guy who started it. This is the guy who still is there and runs it. And think of the, has there ever been any other federal programs that, and well, maybe there have been and we just don't know, but have there been any other federal programs that we know of where billions of dollars were stolen or are lost, and that we may, may never be able to recover or get back. Uh, the time period there, the kind of pandemic relief and pandemic support programs, and then the early Biden administration ones are, are probably the all-time record for that, and let's hope we never get close to it. And that's not to say that all those programs are wrong. They were not. There's a lot of businesses, for example, that used PPP loans appropriately to maintain employment. Those were, those were good loans that were worth it, that kept jobs. But unfortunately, the amount of fraud and abuse and the, as you pointed out, uh, Paul W., the, the encouragement of, of state and local governments to rely on this federal government subsidies and uh, you know pandemic cash is now putting us in the position where the spigot's getting turned off. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's going to be a whole series of what is going to be described as crises because all of a sudden the extra money from Washington isn't showing up. And as you pointed out, it's not extra money from nowhere. It's from us. Yeah. And, and people used to say, well, don't blame Biden. I mean, it's happening around the world. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, how is it how, in a quick answer? If you can, Patrick, how's it going around the rest of the world in terms of interest rates? Are they finding themselves and in inflation down? Yeah, they, uh, all around the world in inflation, I mean, because, you know, the outrageous spending. Uh, and look at Argentina. Don't cry for me, Argentina, because they're actually <laughs> turning their country around. It's amazing. I've always wanted to go there for what I hear is a great steak. 
That sounds <laughs> foolish, but that's what I've always heard. <laughs> they have great steaks. Always good to talk to you, Patrick. Thanks for the very helpful information. We appreciate it. We trust it. All right. Take care, Paul. Love you. Patrick Anderson, Principal CEO, Anderson Economic Group. It's Focus with Paul W. Smith. It's so great being with you. Uh, it's a fascinating story um, that may or may not uh, affect you. It, it affects me, but I write a, a column I, in, for the Detroit News. It runs every Monday. And, Marie, you're going to get a kick out of this. I know you've contacted the Detroit Free Press with the announcement that starting February 1st, they are removing the comment section from their website. That means following every story, I don't know, editorial, column, opinion, whatever, there would be a space for people to comment. And I think it's appropriate when you contacted the Free Press uh, about the newspaper saying it'll be removing the ability for readers to leave comments on their website following stories, that the Free Press would say, no comment to you. That's appropriate. Don't you think that's appropriate, Marie? Yeah, it, it is. It I is. will tell you something. Marie Osborne, uh, our WJR senior news analyst, I'm going to tell you something. When I started writing this column uh, for the Detroit News, and I can't remember how long ago it was. It was a long time ago. Uh, somebody said, oh, uh, resist the urge to read the comments after your column. Which, of course, like a kid touching a hot stove, I immediately went to look at the comments following my column. And I realized why someone said to me, don't read them. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they are vicious for no good reason other than to be vicious. There are a lot of angry, sad people out there who must have miserable lives, and I feel sorry for them. And uh, it's unfortunate, but I can kind of see why the free press is doing this because of what they've devolved into. But you give us the story and... Our listeners can decide how they feel about it. Absolutely. The Free Press says it's going to remove its comments section from the website starting February 1st. The paper's editor, Nicole Avery Nichols, said in a statement that while the paper believes in the importance of engagement with listeners, it's also making this hard choice to move away from the space because of the time invested needing uh, needed to monitor the comments to produce a safe and constructive dialogue. The statement went on to say that the comments section can be a benefit, but it can also quickly devolve when they are not managed. The paper tried engaging its reporters in this back and forth, but that took a lot of time away from their core duties, which, of course, is reporting the news. The free press not alone in shutting down the comments section. There are many of the uh, papers that have done this. Reuters, the Chicago Sun-Times, the hmm. Philadelphia Inquirer, many more. One study found that a very small percentage of readers actually leave comments. We're talking about less than 1%. The other research in the University of Florida showed that people who read negative comments then have a negative uh, opinion about the story themselves. So the takeaway is a few people could have a big impact on how a story is viewed by a large group of readers. Now, Nichols said readers can still engage with reporters and the paper on social media platforms and the old-fashioned way, a letter to the editor at Freep.com. And, Paul, I want to share this with you. Nancy Kaffer on social media today said, 
She said that this comment section online is similar to the Razor V1 hip hugger flare pants of communicating <laughs> with your newspaper. <laughs> she says she says letters to the editor, time honored, road tested, a classic for a reason. And she says she runs them all the time. So they're going back. We're going old school here, okay? You don't yeah. have to literally write a letter on paper. You can do it online. But um, they just feel that those are just a better way to, to engage. I, I, I think you have to identify yourself also. Of course. And, of course. And that's what people get away with in the comment section. They make up names, and, they, and, and some of them have become personalities in their own right. Yep. But the funniest thing I've ever noticed when I used to look at them was... Okay, someone would take a shot, for example, at me, uh, something I uh, wrote, and they didn't they clearly didn't understand what I was meaning. That sadly happens a lot. But so they take a shot at me, then someone either agrees with them or disagrees. And I'm not kidding you, Marie. By about the fourth comment, it's a battle between the commenters, and it, you forget that it had anything to do with what you wrote in your column. I know. It becomes know. A, a fire, a fight, a fire fight of them calling each other names and, and, and really unspeakable things. And you go, what is going on here? What is wrong with these people? Why are they so angry? So why angry. Is this the way they're taking the anger out? Right. And they're hiding behind their keyboards. You would never walk up to somebody in the grocery store who expresses a different opinion than you and, you know, call them an idiot or any other name or, you know, call them a loser. They wouldn't you'd never do that. Or most no. people wouldn't. No. There might be one or two out there, but you, you really wouldn't do that. But people love to hide behind their um, keyboards. You know, I don't think in my on that point, Marie Osborne, that you make in my 56 years, whatever, of broadcasting, that I've ever had anyone come up, go out of their way to say bad things to me. Right. I just right. don't think it's happened. I, I'm not saying that to jinx myself and now get that to happen. But my point is, certainly there are people who disagree with what I say, what I do. But when they're in person, still they are uh, cordial and respectful. Well, because you're a human being and you're standing in front of them. And we just forget that we're we're all human beings. And you forget that when you're reading something online, that there's yeah. actually a human behind all that. Right. Absolutely right. All right. It'll be interesting to see if the Detroit News follows uh, and uh, all the other newspapers that you've already mentioned. I was surprised to hear all the other newspapers that are removing the comment section uh, from these various articles. Interesting. Always a good job, Marie Osborne. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. 143 WJR. We have an important job to do, and that is electing a new senator. And uh, we, we're we talking to as many of these uh, people, candidates, as we can. And uh, having been contacted by the Sandy Pensler group, uh, we said, yeah, come on board, let's talk. He's in the race for the U.S. Senate. Uh, born and raised in Detroit, commuted to uh, Gross Point to attend University Liggett High School, very highly regarded. Graduated valedictorian, Sandy worked his way through Yale University, where in just four years he earned a B.A. in chemical engineering, a B.A. in economics, 
and a master's in economics, receiving high honors in all degrees. He received his law degree with honors from Harvard. You appear to be overqualified to be a United States senator, Sandy. Well, thank you, uh, Paul W. It's great to be on your show. Great to have you here. Tell us about you, what we need to know about you and why we should vote for you. Sure. First of all, I'm, I'm the only businessman uh, that has the resources in this race. Really, you've been talking uh, with Mike and Peter, and I, I think there are a variety of professional politicians that really have made their career avoiding taking on a lot of the tough issues. And I think whether you look at the deficit, our borders, uh, international energy issues, I think the country here is burning because really a lack of moral clarity from both our political leaders and, and throughout society. And I think that while the issues themselves are difficult, the solutions really aren't, um, you know, don't spend money you don't have. Uh, I think the border, I was down at Eagle Pass just uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's really not a high-tech problem. Uh, you look at the people coming over, and I was surprised. Uh, building the wall probably worked. It was working well with stay in Mexico policies and building the wall. We just have to go back and apply it. And you don't solve racism with racism. Hmm. So I, I really think across the board, we have lots and lots of problems that are moral caused by really a lack of moral clarity that have morphed into problems that are putting the nation and frankly, the whole world uh, at risk when it, when they're applied in the international forum, like placating bullies. We've you just don't do it. No, you don't. You shouldn't. And we are. Sandy Pensler here, a businessman, manufacturer, entrepreneur, economist, running for Senate here in Michigan. Uh, in his own words, he believes America is burning and that we've lost our moral compass. It's hard to argue that. What can you do to fix that in the United States Senate, Sandy Pensler? Well, I think the Senate will continue to be very closely divided uh, and I believe that the Michigan seat, which is open, as you and most of your viewers, your listeners are fully aware of, can turn it from a Republican majority to a Democratic majority, depending on how that seat moves. So we have a wonderful chance to really change the whole nature of the Senate in this race, take back the White House and the whole state legislature. So what can I do in, in particular when I'm there? Um, I, I just won't go along. I, I will take on these tough issues and not kick the can down the road. In my businesses, when I've come in, I've specialized in turning around troubled companies. Uh, as an advisor, some of the really big ones, Chrysler and GM and CSX, down to when I'm on my own, uh, where I've bought things, you come in and it's hard at first. Uh, sometimes you have to lay off people, sell divisions, close things down. Nobody likes it. It's not fun, but it's like having a patient with cancer. You have to cut it out and fix it, and then it can grow. And we kick the can down the road on deficit spending and don't take on hard issues. We say, oh, we love all these entitlements because it's nice to give money away instead of saying if you you can work, you got to work. Um, 
and it borders. We talked about that one, and I think we our schools have gone crazy with the DEI stuff rather than just merit, merit, merit. Uh, and internationally, I mean, it's crazy. If you look at the Ukraine and Israel, I, I, I'm sorry, I think these are self-inflicted wounds. We, through our weakness in Afghanistan and the statements by the Biden administration, by President Biden in particular, saying, gee, it's not so bad if you just invade a little bit, maybe we won't respond. That created, I think, the problem in Ukraine. And in Israel, we funded Hamas, we funded Iran. Gee, if you fund terrorists, you get terrorism. Um, You just have to not, you have to take on these issues and view them through a moral and Midwestern value lens. And I think, frankly, the solutions are pretty simple. You just got to do them. They're not easy, but they're simple. Sandy Pensler, uh, uh, educator, economist, entrepreneur, manufacturer, uh, knows how to do turnarounds. He did a turnaround with his Chicago plant scheduled for closure when its owners, Church and Dwight, owners of Arm & Hammer and OxyClean, turned to him to purchase the plant and turn it around, and he did. He led that turnaround. All of the Corex companies are profitable, free of debt, and growing under Sandy's leadership. He does know how to do a turnaround, and this country needs a turnaround. Uh, 30 seconds of why you would put yourself and your family through this ordeal of running for U.S. Senate, knowing how the media treats everybody. Well, I've gotten used to that one from my wife saying why. Um, (laughs) But I'm just so grateful for all the opportunities that I've had. I grew up in Detroit, uh, not in a particularly affluent area. Um, And I've been granted so much by this country able to choose whatever I wanted to study and do. And I see that the country is really at risk and the world. I understand. And I appreciate, I appreciate the feeling of obligation. Sandy Pensler, what's your website? How do people reach you? Pensler4michigan.com. Pensler. And I appreciate. Pensler4michigan.com. P-E-N-S-L-E-R. Go ahead. Finish your statement. We got to run. Yes, I appreciate you having me on, what you do with your audience and your audience for getting informed. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure, Sandy. Thanks very much. Stand by for news. Uh, JR Afternoon with the one and only Chris Renwick. And you're on your way to making each and every day count each day as a gift. Don't forget to stream us, WJR.com, Alexa, Google. Go also to thegreatvoice.com, get the whole show on a podcast. Regards, Paul W. Smith.